0: We didn't invent Kid Talk, we perfected it, and at a very young age. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Stars could shine between the lines If you would let yourself go Find some place you know You can use your words, use your hands You can change the world, just pretend Express yourself, take a chance and you'll see
1: Welcome to Express Yourself.
2: Simplicity is the ultimate sophistication, and that's from Leonardo da Vinci. Hello, and welcome to Express Yourself. We are a program by, for, and with creative young people, a platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Brigitte Gia, and on today's show, we'll be discussing the gift of simplicity.
3: And I'm Joven Hundle. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. Please visit www.bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation and get more information about how you can be a part of our mission to increase literacy and positive message media.
2: Be the Star you are, has launched Operation Hurricane Harvey Disaster Relief. We need your donations to help us help those in distress by providing books and other resources for them. Please donate today at bethestarur.org to help us bring in funds for Hurricane Harvey victims. And you can even donate through PayPal giving fund with no fees.
3: And with that, Brigitte will be bringing another installment of her segment, Art Attack, to us today. Take it away, Brigitte.
2: Hey guys, it's Brigitte, of course, and today I'll be talking about simplicity in art. Um, so let's begin with maybe a few movements in art that used simple techniques or simple subjects to bring forth a message or an emotion or anything they wanted to express. Um, I I say this a lot on Art Attack, but it's really important that everybody realizes that first of all, everybody can do art. And then second of all, art is a strong form of self-expression, and it's uh, the art that one uses to express oneself is linked strongly to one's person. So, uh, a lot of people throughout the history of art, or maybe more in modern, uh, in modern art, have really chosen to simplify their uh, way of expressing themselves. And so, we see this in a lot of different movements. Uh, the first one that really comes to mind is the early 20th century, uh, maybe going even into... You know, late 20th century and today's art, people think of geometric abstraction, which is the use of kind of 2D shapes and 2D lines, sharp lines, to create works of art and to express a central theme, maybe, or especially an emotion. Um, In the early days of art, uh, (laughs) the early days, maybe in, in traditional art, let's say, a lot of people painted subjects, a lot of artists focused on Subjects on other people, on maybe still lifes or landscapes. Uh, But when the 20th century kind of got started and got on its way, we started seeing a transition from painting subjects, painting what one saw before one's eyes, uh, into painting more emotions, you know, what feel on the inside, what the artist felt on. Their inside because we did have the first world war that happened 1914 to 1918 and a lot of what people saw in front of their eyes didn't feel real after the great war happened and so we see this reflected in art where early 20th century artists turned towards geometric abstraction towards sharp lines and sharp uh, shapes or two-dimensional figures to represent their emotions instead of what they saw in front of them, because what they saw in front of them no longer felt real to them at all. And uh, some of the artists that people might know are, I think it's Vasily uh, Kandinsky. A lot of people know Kandinsky paintings as kind of the epitome of famous geometric abstraction. Uh, I also, I'm not completely sure that Frank Stella fits in here, but I love Frank Stella as an artist, and he... Uh, came into prominence, or he was prominent more in the later 20th century, the later half starting from 1958 to the present day even. And he also works with a lot of uh, geometric shapes, especially in his earlier art that was kind of closer to the beginning of geometric abstraction as a movement. He did a lot of sharp edges and lines and two-dimensional shapes, trying to kind of express his emotions and show something for the audience that he felt and again we're seeing a lot of 2d painting with geometric abstraction we're seeing a lot of sharp edges and that kind of ties in uh to the next i wouldn't really say movement but maybe the next item that uh i'd like to talk about today which is islamic art and expression and so this definitely a hundred percent precedes the geometric abstraction uh, movement where uh, in the Islamic religion, um, kind of people or like depicting people, figures uh, is is frowned upon is forbidden. And so what a lot of Islamic artists have turned to is sort of form of geometric expression where they use they used shapes and mosaics and different geometric designs to uh, as a creative outlet, per se. And so a lot of Islamic art and uh, expression through art is uh, very geometric and beautiful in its simplicity. And it ties perfectly in with today's theme um, because these geometric designs are very focused on expressing an emotion through maybe not a depiction of a figure or of a physical thing, but more um, working with patterns and working with shapes and I think that people often uh, forget that geometric art is also art. It's also another way of expressing yourself. And so people uh, devalue kind of the use of geometric shapes and wander more towards figure painting and landscape painting and that sort of thing and that way of expressing yourself. But geometric art is still art, and we can see a perfect example of that sort of self-expression through Islamic art. Uh, in particular Moving on, here's one that does tie more into uh, painting humans, painting figures, painting what you see around you, and that is Impressionism. And so a lot of people associate Impressionism with a little more of a complexity, a little more of a complex feel, uh, but the basic ideas of Impressionism are actually very, very simple and they, they're meant to exemplify uh, simplicity in their subject matter, especially, and in their technique. Uh, The idea uh, with Impressionism was, or is, was, I think it was, definitely was, because Impressionism was 1800s or around that time, but Impressionism was the idea of painting what was in front of you, Uh, painting the lights and the darks instead of focusing on tiny details and intricacies, Uh, painting normal, per se, subjects and not royalty or exalted figures focusing on simplicity, basically, the simplicity of everyday life, the simplicity of how the sunlight hits a subject. And the artist's job was to capture that, was to put it down onto a canvas or uh, a piece of paper, a piece of watercolor paper, uh, cardstock, anything, you know. You wanted to capture the, the life around you in all of its simplicity. And Impressionists found in that simplicity and so i think that really ties in with our theme today is the simplicity behind impressionism even though a lot of people do kind of put impressionism together with fancy art or elegant art um because it has kind of those connotations or it's developed to those connotations um and those nuances throughout like as time goes on the idea behind impressionism was definitely simplicity and so, some of the more well-known impressionist paintings are, of course, we've got, you know, Van Gogh painted the Potato Eaters, which uh, embodies simplicity because. Of the very subject that he painted, the potato eaters, the common folk, this is the simple life. They're living in this maybe one room cottage and they're, you know, they're eating potatoes. They're not doing anything fancy. They're not being depicted as royalty or making some sort of policy or declaration that will benefit humankind or anything. They're simply living their life. And Van Gogh decided to capture that and capture that beauty. And then we've got Monet, his earlier works, uh, including The Magpie, uh, where he just paints this snowy landscape. And there's just this bird, this little magpie, sitting on the fence uh, towards the left of the painting. And it's so simple. uh, It draws your eye towards that simple beauty, you know, the beauty within the simplicity I think, again, is perfect for this segment. And it really makes you think about what you find beautiful, whether it's intricacies or maybe you should focus more on Aspects of life, and Monet manages to do that. Van Gogh manages to do that. We have, for example, Cezanne, who painted a lot of apples, uh, which are very commonplace, right? They're so simple. They're not super elegant or amazing. They're not a super, super fruit, um, but they're part of everyday life. They're something, they're a fruit that we know very well. And Cezanne painted that and found the beauty in the simplicity. Of Degas' uh, ballerinas, which people are like, whoa, it is pretty complicated that he painted these ballerinas in motion. But uh, the idea behind Degas' paintings are pastels, they were um, pastel works, was that he was finding basics. He was finding the ballerinas and depicting them when they were practicing and, you know, when they were backstage. And it wasn't
1: part of
2: show he wasn't depicting them as these elegant beautiful princesses prancing about on stage it was all about background and the simplicity and again we have a lot of different movements um going into simplicity and using it as a concept to bring out a lot of ideas and I think at the very heart of art itself uh there is a very simplistic concept of just Bringing your emotions or whatever you want to depict to the eyes of the audience. And uh, I think at the end of the day, art is simplicity, no matter how delicate and intricate you get, because the idea behind the use of art is simplicity.
3: Oh, absolutely! You know that's uh, a lot of great info to digest. I'm gonna have to Google some of those names later. Um, I love how you brought up Frank Stella. You know, because at one of my old elementary schools that I used to go to, we used to do a monthly little project where each class in each grade would um, have a different artist and a different. We had a few choices of uh, you know like a painting or sculpture that those artists made, and you know they'd try to recreate that. And so I specifically remember Frank Stella in my first grade class uh we had to recreate one of his little paintings just for fun and so um i wanted to ask you then what's your like kind of favorite example of any sort of these like you know waves of simple art styles that you've been talking about uh i
2: personally really like um frank stella's uh, i think it's jill uh it's just this black painting depicting this rhombus over and over and over again and it's just completely back it's so simple but it makes you wonder what he was trying to depict
3: Oh wow. You know, I love how you're you were saying that even before. That it's not necessarily just this fancy fancy art that you could interpret something. it's sort of the simple art as well. So thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. Unfortunately, that is all the time we have for this segment. Uh, viewers and, sorry, listeners, support our show and these amazing segments by donating to the Be The Star You Are charity that brings you this program. For more info on how to do this, go to www.bethestaryouare.org and follow our blog. I'm Joven Hundle.
2: I'm Brigitte Gia. For more information, head on over to our website at bethestarur.org. Don't go anywhere as we continue our discussion on
1: simplicity.
2: I'm Brigitte Gia, and you are listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids Network, brought to you by the Be The Star You Are charity. For this segment, we are discussing the theme of simplicity.
3: And I'm Jovan Hundle. From this point in the show, uh, we'll be covering the gift of journalism as well as simplicity as a special nod to our amazing guest this week, author Kala Devlin. Kala is the author of Tell Me Something Real, a finalist for the Penn Literary Award, the Morris Award, and International Literacy Award Honor. She is a Pushcart nominee and winner of the Best of Blood and Thunder Award, and her stories have been included in numerous literary, literary journals and anthologies. Kawa's new book is titled Right Where You Left Me, exploring the relationship between teen protagonist Charlotte and her mother as they race to respond to her father's kidnapping. And with that, let's bring Kawa onto the show. Hi, Kawa. Hi, thanks so much for having
4: me on, guys. I appreciate it.
3: Oh, absolutely. And so, um, you know, kind of just diving right into it. So uh, what was your inspiration for your new book, Right Where You Left Me?
4: You know, I always wanted to be... A journalist. I, um, I was on my school paper and I went to college wanting to study journalism and I was terrible. Um, I sucked. <laughs> I was so bad. I just, part of it is that I think I'm a little bit too much of a daydreamer and, you know, I'd rather tell a story than trace down all the facts for, even though I like research so much. So I, um, I was struggling and then I took a fiction writing workshop as part of the major And I was like, "Oh, this is where I belong. This is perfect." (laughs) (laughs) But I, I have such deep admiration for reporters, especially people who cover stories across the country and put in the world where they have to put themselves in harm's way, like the people who are covering Houston right now, and now Uh with the hurricane coming down. Mm -hmm. I just think between war and natural disaster, famine, people risk their their lives, and I just think that I just think the world of and so i thought what a what is a better hero than journalist and so that was, was how it all came to be
2: yeah yeah and you know i i love how you've brought this up because journalism is You know, it's it's a noble art, I feel like, because you're bringing the information from all corners of the world to your country, to the people of your country who are you're kind of the the torch bringer comes to mind where you're bringing this this light of knowledge from all of these countries around the world. And you're putting yourself in danger in order to get that flame and bring it back. Um,
4: It's a great way to put it.
2: Yeah, it's a great. Yeah. You know, and so right where you left me is exactly that, you know, about a journalist who is taken hostage. And so, Kala, why do you think journalism should really be important to young people?
4: Well, I think, I mean, first of all, I think that right now in the world we live in and in the country we live in, journalists are as essential as doctors. I mean, we need people who are going to take risks and chase down stories and tell the truth. Um, and then you look at, I mean, you look at who is doing that. I mean, one of the most important, astounding journalists writing right now is um, Lauren Duca at Teen Vogue. I mean, Teen Vogue is taking on like political journalism, like like very few people. I mean, it's amazing, very few outlets. And then um, I also, you know, you look at, at that high school newspaper in Kansas where they hired a new principal and it was the, it was those kids in the high school newp- newspaper. Yeah. You know, they thought something was off and they were right. This woman had made up her entire resume, her education. I mean, she got that job um, based on lies and mm-hmm. it was journalists who uncovered that, but more importantly, it was a student paper who uncovered it. Wow. And, um, you know, I just think that that right now it is so important to know what's really going on and I, I know there's a lot. You know, I don't want to get all political. And I know that there's um, you know, there's a lot of strong feelings on, on a lot of different sides. But one thing I do think is that um, this whole idea that journalists are our enemies is a threat to all of us because people yeah. who risk their lives to tell tell stories and the truth, um, I think, should be revered and respected, and at the very least, listened to. Um, and then we can have you know, calm and intelligent conversations based on that. Definitely. I
3: mean, those conversations, we're never even going to be able to get to that point uh, without these journalists, you know, whether it's the Pentagon papers, whether it's the Panama papers, whether it's any sort of uh, government sort of scandals or whether it's not even just politics, just everyday working lives. And, you know, it's journalists who get to uh, get us to this kind of place. I'm so glad you brought that up. And then, um, yeah, you know about your book then right where you left me. Uh, so wh- um why do you write young adult novels specifically? You know what kind of drew you uh, to a teen audience opposed to adults or any other sort of demographic?
4: Well, it definitely I fell into it. I didn't do it intentionally and um I was I was you know, I've been talking about this at my book events and um in interviews recently. It I really came to it um it is exactly where I should be. It's who I love writing about and who I love uh-huh. for. But when I started out, I was, I honestly, it never occurred to me. Um, I was writing short stories for adults in literary magazines, as you were taught, and master's programs, master's of fine arts and fiction writing, and I loved it. And um, he was my agent who came to me and said, I really would like you to think about writing young adult. And she gave me a list of books and I read them. And then I kept reading and kept reading and kept reading. And it really, its it was so obvious. It's home to me. Um, I really, I love teenagers. I feel like our teen years, when all of us go through it, of course, if we're fortunate enough to stay, it's like live through it into adulthood, we're all teenagers. And there is not another time in our lives when we are so curious and so driven to find out who we are and define our path in the world. And I think that is one of the most defining the, the most defining years in so many ways. And I there's just it's just so rich as far as material to write about. And especially when I do library and school events and work with teens, I just leave always feeling like I have double the energy double the inspiration I want to go home and write and I think part of it is sometimes I just have such good conversations and I learn a lot Um, so it's very reciprocal um, those conversations and like bookstore library classroom events
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) This is this is such a I I just I just thought um, the other day I was was thinking kind of along those lines where I was listening to a few songs uh, that, you know, I hadn't gone over in a long time. And I was thinking, wow. A lot of these songs are about the spark that you have as a teenager, the the potential that you have. You know, you're, you're figuring out who you are exactly, and you're finding your own spark and your own path. And that's kind of part of the teen years. And I guess that's, you know, I agree with you. That's definitely what makes teen years so magical. <laughs> and um, I'm glad that you learned a lot from us. Uh, you know, we definitely learn a lot from you and people like you who write for us and kind of give us a perspective on the larger world. Um, And so hopping off of that real quick, um, Right Where You Left Me is about a girl who is distant from her mother and they're forced to connect. And I feel like I kind of relate to this because as a teen, I do have... You know, some conflicts with my parents sometimes. I'm trying to find my space. They're trying to help me out. And sometimes I don't want that help. And we have a little bit of a conflict. And, you know, your books uh, or your first book, especially, is also about family. It's about three sisters. And so I just want to know, you know, what what draws you to writing
4: about families? You know, it's, it's almost a compulsion. It's I don't know if it's healthy, um, but I really, you know, I think it's a, it's an easy world in the sense that it's contained. You know, you live together. There's a lot that happens. But I'm also constantly um, curious about how we can be really close yet distant with our families, how we can be so similar and so polar opposite, how we can feel so connected one day and like strangers the next. Um I mean it really there's nothing like those family dynamics and I think um you know I have two sisters we're nothing like the sisters and tell me something real but I definitely drew from mm-hmm. that bond and with the mother and daughter relationship with right where you, where you left me I really just wanted and maybe I don't know I my my oldest daughter suddenly I'm the mother of a teenager I don't know how I got this old but I, <laughs> I apparently am and we're really close I'm really lucky um you know we were we're super close. And, I always would sit back and wonder, like, what if things have been different? Like, what if we weren't able to connect and talk? What if there was a barrier of some kind, an event? And, you know, I never want that to happen. It's a little bit of fear that that could happen. Um, but I, I really kind of took all that and wanted to explore it. And it was, you know, especially with a kid who is... Um, second generation with an immigrant parent and is kind of stuck between two worlds and um, always feels like she has to choose when she of course doesn't and she has to forge her own path and part of that path is trying to get back to her mother and get back to that closeness they once tried to have
2: gosh I I relate so much just um I Uh, I'm I'm a second generation. (laughs) I'm a second generation kid and uh, my parents are first generation immigrants. And there is this, you know, feeling of having to choose between one culture and another and of having to choose between, you know, your your family heritage and kind of your other identity of that has been made up by maybe school and by friends and by exposure to another culture entirely and that oh man, I don't know. It just uh your your kind of um your insight and your your thoughts just that that really spoke to me there. I was like, oh my gosh, that's that's kind of what I've gone through.
4: Well, I'm glad I mean, I'm glad that you're connecting to it because it's stories like like yours that are so important to tell um, in general. Like, the, how do we how do we define ourselves? How do we claim all the parts of who we are? And it can be those parts can be anything that, you know, we can feel kind of binary or opposite inside us um, in so many different ways.
3: Yeah, absolutely. You know, um I, I'm uh, In addition to Brigitte, you know, I'm also a second generation American, <laughs> but um, I feel like, you know, this message, it's not even just for someone who has these exact same circumstances, but, you know, it's sort of universal, whether, you know, um, your book's talking about what, journalism, whether it's talking about familial relations, you know, it kind of does have a sort of universal audience, even though, you know, even if it is just labeled as a young adult novel, I feel like it's sort of a novel for everyone, isn't it?
4: I hope so. I mean, I certainly hope that um, the people would connect to those characters. Uh, you know, a wide array of re- readers would connect with the characters with Charlotte and her mom and dad and her friends. And really um, get invested in trying to bring Jeremiah, Charlotte's dad, home um, after he's taken hostage. And I really, I mean, it's hard because I made her up. Like Charlotte, you know, is something, someone who came out of my head, but she's very real to me. But I just... <laughs> I like I write characters who are kind of more quiet and unsure and shy, and, but have this very quiet strength. They're quiet, but they're strong, and they have to figure out who they are and how to be in the world. And, I, um, and so I, I think that's something that we all go through. And especially if we're trying to not claim parts of ourselves, but you know, fully integrate all those pieces that, that make us us and it, you know it can be it can be so many different things and i am hoping that people will connect with that cuz we all go through our own our own individual versions of that you know formulation yeah, of who we are. yeah yeah
3: and so um, I want to thank you so much for this amazing conversation, and I'm excited to continue it. Uh, unfortunately, we are out of time for this segment. Uh, listeners, please visit our radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com for photos, descriptions, links, blogs, and more. I'm Jovan Hundle.
2: I'm Brigitte Gia. Visit Kala at www.kaladevlin.com to learn more about her new book, Right Where You Left Me?, And follow her on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook with the username at Kala Devlin, and that's spelled D-E-V-L-I-N. Also, please visit our charity site at bethestarur.org and watch our fun and informative videos at youtube.com slash bethestarur. Stay right here as we continue our fascinating discussion on simplicity and journalism.
1: Show the world your smile Be the star you
0: If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and edutained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's our lifestyle show, Star Style Be The Star You Are with host and empowerment architect Cynthia Bryan. On Tuesdays at noon Pacific, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio on Voice America Kids. Play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com.
2: We don't care how you got here. We're
0: just glad you showed up.
2: You're listening
4: to Voice America Kids.
0: You're listening to Express Yourself.
3: I'm Jovan Hundle, and our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. And now, for this edition of Express Yourself, we are continuing our fascinating conversation regarding our themes for today's segment, for today's show: the gifts of simplicity and journalism.
2: Hi, I'm Brigitte Gia. Back with us today is our wonderful guest, author Kala Devlin, the author of um, the finalist of the William C. Morris Award um, and her book that almost won the award that came in as a finalist was Tell Me Something Real. And she's a Pushcart nominee and winner of the Best of Blood and Thunder Award, whose stories have been included in numerous literary journals and in anthologies, including Because I Love Her, 34 Woman Writers Reflect on the Mother-Daughter Bond, for which she was featured in the San Francisco Chronicle and San Francisco Magazine. Her new book is titled Right Where You Left Me, and here's a little bit more about it. So, main character Charlotte's father specializes in nature's acts of violence. In search of the perfect story for his newspaper, one that can put a human face on tragedy, he will fly into the eye of the storm. And now he's heading to Ukraine, straight into the aftermath of a deadly earthquake. Charlotte doesn't want him to go. He'll be leaving her alone in a silent house with her mother, whose classically Russian reserve, has built a wall that neither of them knows how to tear down. But she's holding it together okay... The FBI comes knocking on their door. Quake has left many orphans, but Charlotte refuses to be counted among them. Whatever it takes to get her dad back, she'll do it. Even if it means breaking a promise or the law. And with that exciting synopsis, let's welcome Kala back onto the show. Hi, Kala. Hi,
4: thanks for having having me back.
2: Yeah, you know, thanks for being here. That was an amazing conversation that we had in segment one, and I'm excited to continue it. And so uh I'll just, you know, we'll just jump uh right off and start with our second segment. Uh and i just like to know, you know, um what scene was really hard for you to write in Right Where You Left Me and Why? And is that the one scene that you are the most proud of?
4: It it is, and it was the hardest. There, um Charlotte's mom, um works in a bakery it's it's kind of it's almost like a family business but they're not blood related with the owner but the owner um nadine is kind of like an aunt um to to charlotte and they have a very busy day in the bakery and afterwards they have dinner and celebrate and charlotte's dad is missing um she's really kind of off kilter as a result and it's the first time that she and her mom can actually relax a little bit like they're you know, they feel good about how busy things were. They had a fun day together. They felt, she, she felt like they were connecting. And that was not a common feeling for her. And they um, they have this conversation about Charlotte going to college and they just keep missing each other. Like, it's like everything they say, it first hits the right way and then it starts hitting the wrong way. And Charlotte gets really, really upset and has to excuse herself from dinner and goes into the bathroom and cries. And when she comes back out, her mother has um, made this beautiful gesture, um, and it's really Charlotte has never needed her mother like she needs her in that moment, and her mother really comes through. And I won't I won't ruin it with the details, but it was um, it was really hard to write in a way that felt real that felt like it wasn't forced, you know that it wasn't cheesy. And I think I think I got it. I think I felt it took I mean I must have written it like probably 20 times before I felt <laughs> like okay, this is this is um this works and then fortunately my editor thought it worked. And um and it's definitely the the scene that I'm getting the most feedback um positive feedback mm-hmm. about. And so I feel like oh it was so hard and it took so much but I feel pretty proud of it now. It's definitely for me the heart of the book. That scene is the heart of
3: it. Wow, you know, that was very powerful with with that sort of description of the scene and with a synopsis you read earlier. I'm ready to read this book myself. Um, and, you know, kind of how we were talking about last segment, uh, this is so topical to teenagers, you know, um whether it's uh, something like Teenage Rebellions or just trying to kind of figure out your way in the world and your relationships with your parents. There's so much we can kind of gather from a book like this. And so oh, uh, what do you personally hope that readers, whether they're teens, whether they're adults, uh, will take away from Right Where You Left Me?
4: You know, I really, I think going back to that whole idea of um, being able to to really embrace your own story on your own terms like this is who I am and and if it doesn't match up to what either you expected of yourself or what someone else expected or honestly if you what you think they expect because sometimes those those don't really line up um just really I just really would love um for readers to follow Charlotte's journey and come out of it kind of like she did. Like, you know, this is, this is who I am. And it's not like my dad. It's not like my mom. It's not like my favorite teacher or my best friend or my boyfriend. It's who I am. And it, that's pretty great. And I think that it took Charlotte a lot to get there. And I think it took a note. It, it took me. And frankly, you know, I'm ancient at this point and I feel like oh. still trying to figure this out. And I certainly felt that as a teenager and ultimately at the end of the day we we are who we are on our own terms and that's pretty great
2: ah, I oh my gosh i I definitely agree you know it's once we find ourselves it's it's good to you know, realize that we, again, are who we are, as you said. And it, it's good to know that you are also still trying to figure yourself out because I thought, you know, adulthood would just be the end-all be-all. Like, here it is. This is who you are from now on. But um, it's, it's, again, it's good to know that there's a point beyond that where you're still trying to find yourself and you're continuously trying to find yourself throughout your life. And just, you know, returning real quick to the scene that you described that you labeled as maybe the most difficult scene for you to write. I think, honestly, I, I think that's just how it goes. It reminded me of um, my my mom and I <laughs> had had a, you know, a heated discussion about college because that's the big thing that teens really are working towards, I guess, or are directed towards in high school is is that idea of having to get to a four-year college and get to a good one and um, I just I had a a huge like it it was started out as a great conversation and then you know my mom and I did also just miss each other Um, and I was listening to you describe this scene and I just I just imagined like uh, or I thought back on what had happened between my mom and I and that's you know Parents and kids, they disagree with each other over college and over the future because they're coming from two different viewpoints. But I I love how you were able to bring in this gesture um, by Charlotte's mom uh, and to show that parents at the end of the day, they also have their kids back. You know, they're they're figures of support um, as well as maybe uh, figures that kids will maybe naturally battle against and so um, I just wanted to say I definitely relate to that it again almost brought me to tears (laughs) I was just thinking about it and to turn uh, the conversation a little uh, I just want to know you know how how long and hard was your your road to publication did you have to write a lot of books before this one to really get it down you know before your first book as well did you go through a lot of different drafts
4: and ideas the first book took a lot longer. The first book um, had had a different, def- definitely a few different like lies of its own before it got published, um, and this one was really quick. Um, you know, we decided my publisher, you know, bought it right, um, right before, right where you, um, right before. Tell me something real came out. In fact, I turned in the draft the day before tell me something real went on sale. So it was like back to back. Um, and I was, I was juggling both in many ways. Um, so, it was fast. It was about a year. It was fast and furious. Oh, wow. um, and so, <laughs> like the movies. <laughs> it was exhilarating and wonderful. I'm taking a little bit longer to write the third because it was really fast. <laughs> boom, 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 right there. It
3: was. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, yeah, can we get a little insight into what you're working
4: on now with that third book then? Sure. Yes. It's about, um, it's about two best friends, two girls, Elise and Adeline. And... Um, Elise's parents, her dad gets a job at a different state, a different time zone, and they are super close and, um, and Elise has to move. And so they're in the middle of all that. They have a big, have a big going away party and at the party, something awful happens. And, um, Elise and Adeline see that night and its events very differently and so differently that it kind of threatens the very foundation of their friendship right as Elise moves so it's really about friends and how it's so easy to go somebody and you really don't want to do that to the people you love um to lose touch like that just because you know you can't figure it out so it's really about their um it's told in two points of view the first half of the book is told from Elise's point of view the second half is Adeline's her best friend and um and so you get two sides of the story and then you can Find out where where they end up.
2: All right, uh, I'm, man. I'm looking forward to that. Definitely, like, uh, especially in this divided <laughs> day and age, this uh, there's so much stuff going on. There's so much heat um, brought on by all of the current events and all of the things happening in the world. We we lose sight of the human connections that we've made or that we should be making. And we do ghost people a lot, maybe over different viewpoints. And wow, that's definitely very, very prevalent, especially um, with this situation and what's going on. And so, um, Calla, before we go, uh, I'd just like to know, you know, what advice would you most like to pass along to other writers and maybe to uh, aspiring teen writers in
4: particular? I would say it just just really sit down and start putting words on the page because everyone really does have a story. and it's just a matter of of owning it, claiming it, and then putting it down on paper. And if you're not a writer, if you're an artist, if you're a photographer, if you're a musician, just express it. like really claim it and say it because you deserve that and the world needs it.
2: Thank you. That was that was absolutely that was incredibly powerful. Uh, just there and audience, if you guys have any stories to share, make sure that you're yeah putting pen to paper, uh, writing them down, typing them up, and I think definitely maybe I'm gonna try to do that. I think. Um, Got a lot of a lot of emotions pent up and <laughs> could definitely use uh, a little pen on paper, as you said. Well, thank you so much, Kala, for this wonderful conversation. Um, I, it's just brilliant to learn so much about, you know, what you've done Uh, With the message that you're bringing out with your new book and uh, the advice that you have for young writers. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Um, Listeners, during the break, be sure to check our charity site out at btsya.org, which stands for the Be the Star You Are 501c3 Literacy and Positive Media Charity. More information is under events at our website at btsya.org.
3: And I'm Jovan Hundle. Be sure to check Kala and her works out at www.kalaDevlin.com, which is spelled C-A-L-L-A-D-E-V-L-I-N. And follow her and her new book, Right Where You Left Me, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, with the username Calla Devlin as well. Uh, visit www.expressyourselfteenradio.com for more information about our show. And when we come back, we'll be continuing our inspirational conversation on simplicity and journalism.
0: Welcome back. Thanks for staying with us here
2: at Voice America Kids. Our program is Express Yourself, and today's hour is all about
3: the gifts of simplicity and journalism. I'm Brigitte Gia. And I'm Jovan Hundle. We'll be closing the show today with another edition of Trends Without Ends, a segment by our reporter, Jack Palakos. Take it away, Jack. Uh,
5: hi, I'm Jack Palakos. Uh I'm happy to be back reporting on my segment, Trends Without Ends. Uh, and today, I'm going to be talking about today's trends that are going on in the area of journalism uh, and simplicity. Uh, So journalism has been going around for an astonishing amount of time. In fact, the first newspaper was printed in 1608. Until the past decade, this has been the primary source of journalism. But as you know, times have changed. Today, newspapers as a business are struggling to survive. With the rise of the Internet and smartphones today, today's trend is to read digital journalism. In other words, people go online for the news. Today, 9 out of 10 people in the United States reported that they get their news from mobile apps or desktop technology. Journalists follow rules of ethnics, and if they uh, misrepresent information, the newspaper or company can experience a lawsuit, whereas news source online may not actually be written by a journalist because online, anybody can post their own website. Uh, And while the website may not be credible or even very popular, anybody can post on it and anybody can read a website. Uh, And this can uh, contain misleading information that people choose to believe. Uh, And although some websites can be informational, informational, uh, some of them are from, like, blogs or maybe just someone's personal opinion. Uh, And some websites link both journalist articles and a mix of opinions, so it can become kind of difficult to distinguish if what you're reading is all true or if some of it's true and some of it's fake, so it seems a bit misleading. So the best way to know whether the news is written by a journalist is to look for the source of the writing. Uh, So trends in journalism uh, in 2017 uh, include... That the so the delivery of journalism for one has changed. Uh, messaging has become a way to reach audiences. So far, uh, many social media sites offer some form of news on current events because it's really easy to access and with clickbaity titles, meaning that the titles will be something that uh, draws the like user in that it makes them want to click it. And it might say something like, "Oh, how to hold your breath for thirty minutes." as an average person, which, as you know, is probably impossible, but if it, since it's clickbait, people will click on it thinking that it's real, but then it's not. So uh, another trend in digital journalism is that it can be updated constantly. Uh, this gives the latest information, uh, and papers kind of begin to feel outdated, because even though papers are daily... Online information can be hourly or even minutely, depending on how constantly it's being updated. And this constant access to news also influences decisions that people make. So it's no wonder people are becoming discouraged to rely on the print printed newspapers. Another trend in journalism is to micro-focus. This basically means that journalists are focusing on smaller areas reaching out in specific communities, and then they're carrying on their local stories rather than large stories that are nationwide or even like international that lots of people are reporting on. Uh, Prior to digital journalism, this would have actually been pretty costly to do so, because uh, if you're writing about a paper, you have to write about something that uh, everybody can relate to and read uh, as, uh, rather than just the people in a certain area. Uh, another area that's also affecting journalism, although this isn't really that recent of a trend, but uh, within the entire spectrum of journalism it is. Uh, this is the fact that readers are generally able to comment on the journalism stories. Uh, in this, the feedback, uh, this has actually influenced journalists a lot because the journalists now, they're able to know what stories generate the most interest. So it's maybe something really important uh, that they reported on didn't get many comments and no one really cared about it. But then they found something less important, but everybody seemed to care about it. They would only report the less important topics, uh, which could be, uh, which might have like a negative drawback. So uh, that that's another. Uh, big thing that's happening with online journalism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely.
2: Mm -hmm. I, um, I, yeah, exactly, like, where uh, a lot of uh, newspapers and a lot of, like, blogs or uh, news sites, like Apple News, they do a lot of, like, um... Catering to the public more. And, uh, you know, as you mentioned, there's good sides to that where the journalist can kind of cater to what the audience wants to hear about. But there's also maybe some negative drawbacks where you have, you know, news that's supposed to be important, but because the public doesn't want to hear about it, maybe gets neglected or pushed to the back and um, I also loved how you talked about how fast news delivery is nowadays because uh, I just I just think about when I go on Apple News and I click on maybe an article by the Washington Post it'll have like maybe a sentence or two and then at the bottom it'll say this story is going to be updated like hourly or like Like when the next thing happens, this story will be updated and it's continuous. It's like in the process of being written, but it's also there as a kind of little tagline for you to watch out for more news about this subject. So, uh, Jack, uh, I just wanted to know, you know, what are some of the top sources for journalistic news online today?
5: So online in terms of, uh, apps, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Snapchat, uh, all three of those social media sites contain, uh, many like links to news articles. Uh, most of them, uh, I, uh, most of them are kind of irrelevant, uh, news topics. <laughs> like it just, it's just fun stuff to read, uh, if you're bored, but, uh, some of it is, uh, reporting on important stuff, such as politics or uh, current events that are happening in general, uh, but all all of them always use titles that just kind of make you want to read it. And uh, which that can be a little bit misleading sometimes.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was just saying uh, clickbait, uh, where a lot of people are labeling things as like, oh, it's clickbait. It's just a title to make you click on things. But yeah, you know, the whole, uh, I definitely agree with you, where the whole idea of a lot of these more visual like apps, especially like Snapchat um, those sort of things very it's very big title. It's very boom right there. And, um, yeah, I feel like you know, Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter, they tend to report a lot of, you know, popular news or pop culture news. but i I feel like there's some important stuff in there. I think my friend um talked about hearing about certain you know, happenings in the White House on Snapchat, uh, which was pretty interesting. But uh, Jack, you, you mentioned that people's decisions can be changed by the ability to update stories. Uh, do you have any examples of that?
5: Uh, yeah, uh, this actually goes on a little bit more than we would think about. So uh, one of the biggest examples is the most recent presidential election. Uh, so during this time, the news was constantly being updated. Uh, And even before election results came out, journalists were constantly reporting on the exit polls and constantly reporting on every little thing that happened, uh, which was constantly making people say, oh, well, this is bad from this person. Or they'd say, oh, no, but this is also bad. So it was constantly people reporting and everyone was getting updated all the time. Uh, And then another way that uh, people are influenced is... Another recent example is the weather. So, in this case, uh, I'm talking about like major events, like uh, the recent Hurricane Harvey stories. Uh, wow. Those are linked on a lot of social media sites, and this is this enables journalists to reach like a bunch of people who wouldn't really hear about it, because uh, a lot of people are on social media, but not as many people watch the news. So, this kind of left this kind of lets uh, the journalists reach out to all the people, and really, like, share how devastating uh, some of these things are. Uh, and this is, this is actually a pretty good thing because then uh, it raises awareness. And with uh, social media, I guess, like, with the links already on your phone when you're on a site, you can just tap a link to donate rather than if a, uh, you're watching the news and then they say go to this website to donate instead of having to pull it up on your computer. It's already there for you. So it kind of encourages people to help out and be more aware. So uh, that that's how people's decisions can be changed by like stories constantly being updated online.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's that, it's that idea of also, as you mentioned, like snap donating as well. And, uh, you definitely hear about news quickly. Um, ooh, just a quick uh, a quick reminder to all the listeners out there. Uh, Be The Star You Are has also heard about Hurricane Harvey on the news and through direct sources. Um, if you guys uh, want to, again, help out victims of Hurricane Harvey and really get books and other essentials out there, uh, make sure you go to bethestarur.org and make a donation um, to, to really help out victims of Hurricane Harvey and you know Irma is now trending um, back to the newest aspect Uh, my AP environmental uh, science teacher has a live feed on the like from the internet of these weather patterns and like where everything is going where the hurricanes are going Um, so I definitely think uh, that's a very strong point that you brought up Jack uh, where a lot of these weather patterns can be followed and social media is a good way to reach out to people who otherwise wouldn't hear about the disaster until maybe it was too late. Um, so, Jack, do you think digital journalism has had any influence on our lives?
5: Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, digital journalism, uh, its uh, this kind of goes like to the gift of simplicity. Uh, digital journalism is really, really simple because since people are already on social media sites and people are going to be on social media regardless of what they're doing, uh, it makes it way easier than people actually, like, going outside, picking up the newspaper and reading it because the people are just on their phones, which they're going to be on them regardless, and they just, just kind of, like, see an article and they're like, oh, that looks interesting. Let me just read it. And then sometimes they'll click on it, but they might not even read the whole thing. They'll just scroll down like, looking at pictures and then reading the captions and stuff, uh, that influences people because it encourages people to read about news that they, ne- uh, that they like, normally never would have even heard of. Uh, and even if they aren't reading the whole story, those, they're still becoming aware of, more, of current events, uh, which they wouldn't normally have been. So I definitely think digital journalism is having influences on our, like, daily lives.
3: Yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah. I, um... Gosh, I can't remember the name of it exactly, but I found this one website one time that used some sort of automated um, sort of new article condensing uh, mechanism. And so, some of the results were a little humorous and didn't actually represent the article, but other of them others ones actually, you know, did and so I like how you brought that up, that we can kind of condense these articles somehow and let, you know, busy people sort of read this um, important news. And so, Jack, this was a fantastic segment about simplicity and journalism. Sadly, it is time to say farewell. Uh, We give our thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be The Star You Are, and our Voice America kids crew, and especially our engineer, Matt. Uh, Thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world, and thank you to you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. I'm Jovan Hundle.
2: And I'm Brigidia. You have been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. For information on our creative community, go to expressyourselfteenradio.com and our main site at bethestarur.org. Until next week, be kind, value simplicity and the wonders of
0: journalism, and be here. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself. you will let yourself